see everyone. Um, Jim's, I'm filling in for Jim, giving him a little break tonight, and also I was talking with Rick. Uh, I said I compared him to Morgan Freeman and that, with that outstanding voice of his, but we're going to give uh, Rick a little break. He wasn't feeling too great, so we're going to give him a break tonight, and I'll read for us. And I'll go on to say I had a little PowerPoint mishap. Uh, we've got, we'll have this screen and probably just that screen. So if you will, open your Bibles, and we're going to be studying from Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. Kind of a long story, but today just wasn't my day technologically speaking. Uh, things didn't go like they planned, so we'll get through it. If you will, just follow along as we study. And I want to say, first of all, I'm real thankful uh, to be able to teach. I haven't been in here in the adult class in a while, and I, I was telling Turner Foster about it. Aaron and I teach on Wednesdays out with the youth group. And I told Turner, I said, I'm teaching tonight. He said, where at? And I said, in the auditorium with the adults. And I'm nervous. 
And he laughed, and I said, he said, why are you nervous? I said, because that's where all the smart people are. <laughs> kind of a jab to Turner. But uh, he laughed, and it was just a joke. And by the way, just to fill you in, um, we have an outstanding youth program here, and we've been studying the life of Christ and just having a wonderful time doing it. Those kids are, they are smart. Um, we can tell we've had a good educational program here at Boomble, and we get a lot of good answers out there. It's a lot of fun to teach them. Um, so thankful for them and Jordan and what he does too. We want to uh, get started with a prayer, and I want to mention just a few people on our list. Jim gave me a note we mentioned uh, this morning that Carrie Riddle, that's Lisa Peake's brother, having a kidney biopsy, and Carrie had received a kidney several years ago, but having more trouble now, so we want to remember Carrie in our prayers. Also, uh, Jim Estes will be uh, having surgery, eye surgery, cataract surgery Tuesday. Belinda Braddock, um, following two very serious back surgeries, that's Tom Wade's sister. Austin Wentz, of course, we've been uh, praying for Austin and uh, at St. Jude. Dan Gardner, that's Guy's father with health problems. Sandy Bonham, of course, uh, we mentioned in her upcoming surgery. Uh, Katie Jo Lindley, Lindley following sur surgery. Jennifer Beasley with a recent cancer diagnosis, diagnosis and treatments. Van Roberts, uh, cancer diagnosis. Ernest and Charlene Barragona, that's uh, Tommy's brother and sister, sister-in-law. So we want to mention these. I also want to add, I had a dear friend uh, pass away from Red Bay this week, and if you will, remember the Quinn family in your prayers. If you will, bow with me, and we'll have a prayer, and we'll get started. Our Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and we're so thankful we can be here tonight. Father, we're thankful uh, that, we can, that we can pray and we can lift these up to you that need our prayers and all these that we've mentioned. We just ask you to please be with them and their specific need. Father, we know that you are our, our, our creator, that you're powerful, and if it be your will, we just ask you to please heal these and, and be with these that are sick and hurting and lost loved ones. Father, we're thankful for this church and again for this time that we have to study. We're thankful for these examples that we read about in Joshua, and I just pray that you'd be with each of us, uh, help us just to put off the things of the world just for a little while today, and focus on your word. I pray, Father, thanking you for your son, Jesus, and we ask all this in his name. Amen. Again, thank you all for being here. I'm real excited. Um, I got to talk to Jim just a little bit. So we signed up several months ago to teach, and I put my name down with Jim just because I thought I'd like to teach with Jim, but um, never studied from Joshua really personally. Just We read stories about it, but I've never really done much of a study in Joshua. So for me, that was the reason I, I chose that. And I, I do have some nerves, and hopefully those are kind of pass as we go on, but it's, tonight we're going to look at, and Jim and I talked about the, the section we're in is really, 
It's fun to study. Um, so first thing I want to tell you tonight is, is if you have a comment, please speak up because I would like to hear everything you have to say. Um, probably more than you want to hear what I have to say. I'm here to learn just like you, so if you have a comment, please speak up. Uh, you can just blurt it out or raise your hand, and I'll call on you, however you want to do that. But tonight as we get in, it's a, it's a really interesting stu uh, study. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 7, and we're going to talk about the defeat at Ai. Now, I don't know really how to pronounce that word Ai, so I'm just going to call it Ai. Uh, I, I've thought about it could be called I or A, but we're going to call it Ai. But we read about this defeat at Ai. And why that's so interesting to me is last week, just to review, if you flip back over to, to Joshua chapter 6, we've studied about the battle at Jericho. And everything that happened in Jericho, and if you, you can flip back there in your Bible and, and sort of look, but we know that God commanded, commanded them to march in and, and do things specifically the way that He said to do it. They were to march around the city the first six days one time, and then uh, the last day they were to march around seven times, and they did that. And we told that they would blow the, the ram's horns, and they would shout, and the walls would come falling down. What happened? It happened. That's what happened. They did what God told them, and as a result, they were successful. The walls came down. They fell flat. And Jim talked about the evidence of this in his last, uh, last class, it's been a couple weeks ago, that Rahab, um, they were told to, to go in and save her and, and pull her out from the destruction, so her and her family were saved. And Jim talked about it in the evidence of the, the archaeological um, digs and different things that were done. They discovered that there was a house on part of the wall that was there. So it's really interesting. And then he mentioned uh, some other websites you could go to to study. It talks about evidence of what really happened there that matches up and lines up with the Bible. It's because it happened. It's true. And so it's a really amazing story. We see what happened at Jericho. They were successful. But now we get to Joshua chapter 7, and it says they were defeated. So we're going to talk about that. Um, and what we're going to do is just kind of read these verses and go through them. And I'll try to get through all this, this chapter, hopefully. And we'll talk about each, each uh, section of verses and just kind of comment on it. So again, if you have comments, please speak up. So we're going to start, we'll read verse 1 in Joshua chapter 7. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan the son of Carmi, the son of Zabbi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. So we start out, and I wish I had the slides here for you, but we start out, and it's, it, this chapter begins with that conjunction. It says, but the children of Israel committed a trespass. And it was regarding the accursed thing. So let me just start with this. What was the trespass? If you remember from chapter 6. Not to take anything. Not to take the spoils. Specifically sort of referred to the, the silver and the gold and the brass and, and the finer things that they had. So God told them, 
he told, instructed Joshua, and Joshua instructed the people not to take for anything of themselves. Why did God tell them that? Why couldn't they take it? To put it in the treasury of the Lord. I think Jim in his class was talking about being the first fruits. That was the first city as they crossed over from the Jordan. They came to Jericho and they destroyed Jericho. They took Jericho. It was the first city they came to that they destroyed. So because of that, God gave instruction, don't take anything. You flip over to chapter 7 and it says, but the children of Israel committed to trespass. So we read on it and you see there it says, Achan the son of Carmi, and then if you go on down, he took of the accursed things. So we're going to read about that just a little bit more. But you see, they were told not to, and out of all the people there that we read about, he was the only one that did this. Now, if you keep reading, we're going to come on down. Uh, they weren't to take that, and it refers to that in Joshua chapter 6, verses 18. Where they, again, they were instructed not to take these things. Um, and because of their obedience, we read there in verse 1, this made God angry. It said he burned against the children of Israel. It's pretty strong words. Yes. They were just, as Joan said, they were, they were instructed to destroy all the people. So, again, we read here, we see God's reaction. And it's going to be important as we move on in our lesson. But it said he burned against the children of Israel. He's very angry. His anger burned, rather. Let's read, uh, let's read verses 2 through 5. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethaven on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not let all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about 3,000 men went up, went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as uh, Shibram and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. So we see this situation. God, it says in verse 1, he knew about the sin or the trespass that happened, but rather than stopping them right then, he let things naturally play out. So we'll read, we read here about the plan that Joshua told the two spies to go in and search out where they were going here at Ai. And the spies came back. What did they tell them? easy. Yeah, we only need a small percentage of our people, of our soldiers, to go take this city. It's a small place. They got few people. So Joshua said, send how many? About 3,000. So they went, and what happened when he sends the 3,000? They got beat. Yeah. Says they chased them out of the city, and on their descent... It mentions the number of men that were defeated. 36 people were defeated. 
So I want you to take your mind, and maybe the easiest way for us to think, I always like to try to paint a picture. And let's put ourselves in this situation. Let's try to see what happened. Let's try to think of ourselves as these Israelites who are wandering. It may be the easiest way of us to think about it. But they're gathered around, and think about they're coming off this, this exciting time for them. They've crossed into the land. And they got their first victory, and, and, and they're feeling really good about what they're doing. And then we see what happens. These 3,000 men go in, and they were defeated, and they, they come out, and 36 were killed. Um, it said their hearts melted like water. That's a, that's a good description. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Why do you think that is? What are you feeling if you're there? What's on your mind? What are they feeling? Yeah. We had this great victory, Brother Luther said, and this small man wiped us out. What else? They're terrified. Yeah. And really, we're going to get more into it. We'll answer this in just a minute when we see Joshua's response. But they're terrified. Wouldn't you be? You're in a new place. You're out in the wilderness. You're not really sure everything's going on. Yeah, where is God? And we're going to see that in just a minute as we read about Joshua. So we'll move on. I just thought it was interesting. It brings this up. Their hearts melted and became like water. I think we can understand why they felt that way? Why isn't God with us? What happened? He made this promise to us. So we're going to go on and read just a little more. Uh, we'll start in verse 6 and we'll read through verse 9. So after this happened, by the way, let me, let me kind of get us back to here. So they've sent out the spies, they come back, and, and they, had, they went to battle, and the people came back and were defeated. It says there in verse uh, 6, Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hands of to the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? So we see here Joshua's reaction. It says Joshua, he heard this and he tore his clothes. He fell to the earth on his face before the ark. It says he and the elders put dust on their heads. So what, why, somebody maybe can help me, why do you think they reacted this way? Why did Joshua and these elders do these things? Okay. Yeah. She said they thought God had, had uh, not kept His promises. And they didn't realize what was going on. 
at the time. They didn't know what had happened. Joshua didn't know. Anybody else? Why do you think they reacted this way? I think it's an interesting reaction. Uh, the things they did, and uh, they put dust on their heads. Uh, they, they tore their clothes. Joshua tore his clothes. Uh, he was very upset. Joshua was very upset here. The elders were upset. The people were upset at what happened. So it's interesting if you read in there what Joshua said. What kind of relationship do you think God and Joshua had? After reading this, they're pretty close. But Joshua is a totally God. Okay. All right. Yeah, he did. They are close, and it's just something I thought about that, that they were close. You know, God's speaking to him. But Joshua says, "God, why did you let this happen? You promised us that we'd come over here and you were going to be with me." I don't understand. I don't understand what happened. He said, why did you even bring us? We'd have been better off if we just stayed on the other side. I, I, to me, that was an interesting point. Uh, he says in, there in uh, verse 7, the latter part, he says, Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. So he's asking God, why did you let this happen? And Jim, you mentioned it. He's blaming God. God, you weren't with us. Yeah. So we move on. We see, we see Joshua's reaction. Um, they were devastated. They were humiliated that this small city had defeated this strong army. Um, especially, about what it, especially after what had happened at Jericho. They couldn't understand what happened. And again, you know, it just it does show us that, that Joshua did feel like he could ask these questions to God. They were pretty strong. Yes, sir. Look to the future. Thank you. Very interesting passage, and you know Joshua didn't know what happened. That they didn't know. Most of the people didn't know what had happened here. So we're going to move on. I think our time's going. Maybe we'll get through with this on time. We'll read. Uh, let me start in verse ten. I'll just read that. Said, so the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? You have a lesson on that verse, I think. Jim and I kind of joked about it. But I always try to find humor in things, and I, I realize this is not a humorous subject, but I think about it like my kids. If Jude has done something that he shouldn't do, and he's laying in the floor upset, and I get angry, I say, Get up! Get up. Pick yourself up. Let's go on. Let's fix this. Let's fix this problem. I just find it interesting, God's response. 
And I wonder really how he said it. Like, what was the tone of his voice when he said that? Get up. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, he, he had, and I, by the way, that was in the notes. I hate, I don't have that for us, but thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. It's time for action at this point. And, and you know, I thought about that, Jim. We're told to pray without ceasing, but there's also times we take action too. And certainly they could be, be doing that. So I just thought it was interesting that how God responded. He said, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? And then he tells him, we'll go in, into in verse 11. Uh, if y'all will read with me. He says, Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Did you notice that part? He's telling them, I'm not going to be with the people. And he said, I'm not going to be with you either unless you fix it. Pretty strong warning that God gives Joshua. And we'll come back around to that. He says, get up in verse 13. Sanctify the people and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come by households. And the household which the Lord takes shall come by, excuse me, shall come man by man. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So here we see again, Josh, Joshua, or God told Joshua to get up off the ground. He explained to him that they had sinned. And what Joshua was to do. Um, it, it mentions, and, and we'll go into this in just a minute, it's sort of neat how they broke it down. Um, you know, he told them it, it's going to be by tribe, and they're going to break it down a little bit further by household, and then by man. So it's sort of interesting, that selection process. Of course, God knew the whole time. But they would bring them all together by tribe, and then start kind of narrowing down who, who did the crime. So we, we keep on reading, and I, I'll just I'll, I'll go through that. Um, that what we just read. I really that's probably all I want to say on that. But um, just kind of explaining here what the next steps were going to be, why they were being punished. They committed a sin. God was not happy, and because of that, there had to be consequences. Any comments on that? We'll move on to the next slide or the next verse, rather. Okay. It is interesting, and that's kind of one of my questions later on, so thank you for bringing that up. But yeah, it is. Uh, it is interesting. Who committed the sin? 
Who was having to deal with the consequences? Everybody. Yeah. His family. If you think about, if you think about who dealt with it first, the people that went out to battle. Because of that sin, they were killed. Um, so it's not just going to affect that man or his household. It's affecting everyone here. Think about it. If they don't, if they don't fix the problem, God's not going to be with them anymore. And the only reason they're where they're at to this point, if you look back from the time they left Egypt, is God got them through that. And they had to follow 100% the instructions that he gave If they didn't do that, there were consequences. Every single time that this was brought up. Let me get caught up in my notes here. Um, So again, the people were to sanctify themselves. The next morning, each tribe will be checked, family uh, by family, household, and individuals. And it says the one found that that took this or committed the sin uh, would be destroyed. So we will read. um, Let's go to 16. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribe, and the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the clan of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarhites, and he brought the family of the Zarhites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. Then he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Uh, so again, it's kind of bringing us up to point what's, what's about to happen. Look there in verse 19. Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Again, I thought about my kids a little bit. I've had that conversation. Now you tell me what you did. Of course, this time it's not God. It's Joshua talking to him. But he's kind of put him on trial here, and he's, uh, he's asking him, you need to confess. What to me was interesting before that, he says, give, glo- give glory to the Lord God of Israel. You know, this man had, had committed a sin, and Joshua's instructing him. Before he tells him to confess, he said, first give glory to God of Israel. He's calling his attention to how powerful God is and that he deserves glory. And he says, make this confession. Um, in verse 20 it says, And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So... Um, Achan had seen these, these items. It says he coveted them, and he admitted. He confessed to it, and he told them where they were. He said, it's under my tent. I buried them under my tent. Uh, the next verses, I know I'm going through this quickly, but I've got some questions to ask in just a minute. But if you'll uh, pick up there in 22. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was hidden in his tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. So they, they, they went and they found these items and they're kind of in the spotlight here. They're in front of everyone. 
and they lay all these items out before the Lord, it says. Um, then Joshua, verse 24, Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Acre. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned with him stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. I'll go ahead and read it all the way out, and we'll, we'll go back and cover some of it. Verse, 20, uh, verse 26. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones, still there to this day, so the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Acre to this day. I don't know why as I'm getting older, I have to look closer when I read. I don't understand what's going on. So, we, we just read what happened. Achan confessed to his, to his sin. And because of that, once, he, once they had everything in place, Joshua took him. Did y'all read that list of who went? His sons, his daughters, his donkey, his oxen, his tent. Everybody in his household, everything he owned, even that silver. Did you find that interesting? Even what he stole... Yeah, that sort of made me stop and think a lot about what happened here because I want to try to be honest with you and I don't mean any disrespect to this the man confessed his sins he confessed what he did but they were destroyed why? God had specified the consequences, do I? Yeah. Put fear in the camp. Yeah. Thank you. Did he come forward, turn himself in? He didn't, did he? Thank you. He didn't do that. He waited till he got caught. Then he went up and he, conf he confessed what he did. And because of that, there were consequences. Something else I thought of, again, I'm just trying to put us in this situation. Um, we don't know how Joshua felt, but how do you think Joshua felt about it? You know, it had to be even a tough situation for him. Um, but, but he knew he had to do what God told him. There are a lot of times... Hopefully we'll never have to deal with this kind of event, but a lot of times that we are not comfortable, are we? Uh, it's not real comfortable doing this right now. When you had not done it in a while, you get a little nervous. But sometimes there are a lot of things we have to do to follow God's command that maybe we're not comfortable with, but we have to step outside of our comfort zone. Because His mission is a lot more important than ours. Say it again. Absolutely. Yeah. 
this family and 36 other soldiers that were, were destroyed. So, um, said that, that we know what happened. They stoned him and, and they burned them. Um, they raised a stone heap as a memorial so the people wouldn't forget. God didn't want them to forget what happened. And earlier there was a memorial for good things. They had followed God's command. When they crossed the Jordan, they put 12 stones out there. And it said that they were in that river to this day, it said in the Bible. Don't know where they are at this point, but I trust if the Bible said it, they're over there. But those stones were placed, and that was a memorial for following God's commands, and He would do what He promised. Here's another uh, memorial that was made to remind people, again, of God's promise. Don't break my promises. That is... Um, so we went through all the lesson. I thank you for uh, following along there in the comments. So now it's kind of the application point. I've got a lot of comments written down, and I'll read mine, but I sort of want to hear some stuff from you. So we talked about this really already. Um, if you start looking for the application, it says many suffered because of the sin of one person. So who sinned? Achan. Who felt the consequences? Everyone, right? God wasn't with them when they went to Ai. That's why they were defeated. And then also we know Achan and his family, but why is that the case? Why do you think all, because of one sin, they all had to suffer? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, there could have been others that knew this, and certainly probably his household did. So, you know, we apply that to us. What about today? How can sin affect us? If one sin or one sinner, how can that affect the whole church? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Yeah. And Jesus taught about that as well. Um, it's just some questions and notes I had. You know, um, one sin can affect others. Our sin can affect others. Our sin can make someone stumble. Our sin can bring reproach on the church. Um, our sin can keep others from coming because they say, well, he goes to the Boomville Church of Christ, but he's a sinner. Yes, we are sinners, but I think you know what I mean for all of sin. But... One sin can, can do a lot more damage than just in our personal lives. It can affect others. Um, disobedience is never hidden. You think, and, and unless God had intervened, you think this man would have gotten away with it? I do too. I think he'd have gotten away with it. Word might have gotten out down the road. But the point is, our sins, our disobedience is not hidden from God. We can be by ourselves and, and we can be somewhere nobody else is around us. But God knows we're there. And God knows what happened. And the sin must be dealt with to get the help of God. That's in our personal lives. That's here at the church. Um, Jonathan, you mentioned that, that we have responsibility to each other. 
And that is our response. If we really love each other like we say we do, then we should be willing to, if we hear about somebody struggling, to go to them. I'm talking to myself on this one. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Certainly. Yeah, I wondered about that. Was it close to a couple million people here, one and a half, two million? Yeah, that's pretty important. <laughs> God said, don't do this. I think, now he gave instructions of what to do, but the only thing I know, he said, don't do this. And we find out it happened. Um, how do you think the people felt when they witnessed this family being destroyed and all their blonde? What do you think the people felt? We better obey God and do what He says. Congregation was involved. Yes, sir. Sure hope my wife didn't take no silver or something, you know? Because that could have happened too. Yeah, it, it would have been a relief to, to know tribe by tribe. And it also made a point that we're going to check everybody. And if you don't follow us, this is what we're going to do until we find out who, who uh, committed this sin. We're getting low on time. Just a few more questions. Um, so they took the gold. Who should have gotten the gold and the silver and whatever items it was? It was God's. We talked about that just a minute ago. Um, this is interesting. They were told in, the, in chapter 6 when they went to Jericho, don't take anything. It's going to change. God, by the way, because they did uh, what they were told, it says he, he, uh, he kind of calmed down. I hate to use those words, but he wasn't as angry. Um, that burning anger left him. When they go into AI again, guess what he tells them? You can take stuff. It was that first fruits, and that was a good lesson for me, you know. Um, you think about, and one thing I thought about is, is kind of how can we apply that, that stealing. That's what's in the notes that Jim had prepared. Um, what's some, a common something to us today where we might commit a similar sin? How can we sin like that today? Covetousness, okay? Yeah, sure it is. He committed, uh, he, he did say he coveted. That's why, that's why he did it. Yeah, thank you for that, Milton.
And it's eye-opening. It should be eye-opening for all of us. It was for me. And I thought about Jim the, uh, in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. You know, they, they said they sold some things, but they kept part of it. But when they, take, when they took it to the apostles, they said, this is all we have. They lied, though. And we know the result. If you remember in Acts chapter 5, um, Ananias and Sapphira both were, were killed because they lied. So just some more application points. Um, and if you got any comments, please, uh, if I haven't put you to sleep too bad, if you want to say something, that would be a good time. My first comment was this, and I, I think this was my number one point. God expects total obedience. He expects total obedience from us. Yes, that was in the Old Testament. Yes, that was these stories that we're taught when we're kids. But the application is certainly true. This really happened. And the application is certainly, it certainly applies for us. God expects total obedience. I've heard Aaron say this a lot with the teens. We used to say this a long time ago when we taught with the college class. You know, God and Satan are, are, are battling, literally, and Satan's battling. He's on this earth seeking to devour us. And all he wants is a piece of us. He don't have to have all of us, does he? He just wants a small piece of us. Now, he'd probably take all of us, but it starts with if he's got a piece of us, we can't give God total obedience. If we say, well, I, I know we shouldn't be like the world, but in this one specific area in the world, I want to do what I want to do, but the rest of the time, I'll be a good Christian. I'll come to church and I'll listen and um, I'll try to do what's right, except for that one little thing. God expects total obedience. Um, number two point, our sin can affect others. We talked about that. It's really eye-opening to see you, and our example is so important. Everybody in here, all of us, we're an example. We're good example or bad example. But none of us are uh, dismissed or excused. He wasn't content. It's a good reminder for all of us. I'm reminded of my favorite verse, I think, in the Bible is godliness with contentment. It's great game. Third point. We think Jim mentioned that Joshua was close to God. This is a pretty simple point. Just like Joshua, we can be close to God too. We talked about draw near to God. Excuse me, I mentioned another verse. I didn't mention that verse yet. James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Yes, we're, we're supposed to obey God and He expects total obedience. And our sin can affect others. But if we're here and we've got a problem with that, maybe that's what it is. We're not seeking God. Maybe we're not drawing near to Him. Yes, ma'am? Yeah. Yeah, she, Miss Sue said that, that maybe he should have prayed before he went. You know, and it's, it's pretty clear to see they, they really thought that God was on their, on their side at this point. And then final point, and we'll close. Um, just as God gave them instructions 
to gather his tribes. I want you to think about that point. They called them out. And they told them to gather as tribes. And they found the one that sinned. So for us, kind of how I compare that is, think about our judgment. There's going to be a time where we're all gathered. And we're going to face our judgment. And that question I asked Ken, and I'm sorry I'm a couple minutes over. Y'all please forgive me and I'll be quick. We talked about this man asked for forgiveness, didn't he? He confessed it, rather. But it was too late. And there's going to be a time in the judgment where there's going to be a lot of people that Jesus warned us about this that are going to confess. They're going to say, I'm sorry, I, you know, I did all these things for you. But it's going to be too late. So if there's any... Anything I can say maybe to encourage you tonight is, number one, remember that God expects total obedience. And let's not get caught when it's too late. Let's, uh, let's close. If anyone needs to partake of the Lord's Supper, it'll be prepared in the little chapel. Um, and I'll have a quick prayer and we'll be dismissed. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much we could be here tonight and we could study. Um, Father, just help us to remember what we've studied. Remember that you're in control and you expect 100% obedience to you. We love you and we pray you give us strength as we go out into the world. Help us as brothers and sisters to uh, help each other as we discussed tonight. Forgive us for our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.